Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me, as always, from the West Coast, former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, what's up? It's, it's 4, 4.30 about your time, and I envy you, my friend. <laughs> One of the rare times. No, being in California has been fun. Uh, getting to see my wife's family and being able to fellowship with my West Coast friends uh, has been a, a blast. I am um, dealing with the interesting time change, though. So I, I am. I guess Christmas <laughs> Eve. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm crazy jet lagged. I'm trying to stay awake. My eyes are slipping, and in the morning time, I wake up early. Everyone else is still uh, asleep. So yeah, a little bit of time change difference. But besides that, it's just gonna be on the West Coast and uh, enjoying the holidays. Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, before we get to uh, a Falcons win that wasn't necessarily what i had hoped to unwrap uh this sunday afternoon in uh one of the final few home games for atlanta this season let's start with uh how was your christmas ovi how was it good it was good uh, i'm realizing now at 41 years old that i don't really need presents because i i get more <laughs> things than yeah. i should get yeah. and i'm like oh that could be a present and that like, I, I bought some uh apple airpod max like six hundred dollars for like, no reason because uh oh, i know why nice. I gave my daughter my headphones because they left to go to California a week early. And so I didn't have any headphones. I was like, well, I, I don't have any headphones. I'm, I've been eyeing that AirPod Max for a while. And, you know, I can always return it if I don't like it. But I got that and, you know, it was fine because my wife got me some socks and she got me like, you know, some, you know Christmas pajamas. And that's nice. And at, at this time, like, I'm good. Like, you know, it, it's hard to tell somebody at Christmas, oh, thank you. I don't this or want this but oh man i I have the worst poker face in the world when it comes to opening <laughs> presents i have i mean i have the worst poker face in the world when it comes to kind of anything i just i tend to i tend to be a very cynical um skeptical kind of Sarcastic, dry you know, dry yes. sense of humor yeah exactly and, and you so are. <laughs> so so it's it's one of those where um if somebody kind of gives me something that i that i don't need that i don't want that i think is stupid and it's not that it's not that I want to tell them that it's stupid or that I don't need it. Like, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. No, it's just that, doing that it's it's so clear and apparent when I have to muster up any type of like fake enthusiasm because I just I like I am you, what you see is what you get. You know, like I if that. I have a thought, it's going to be there. It's going to be on my face. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And, and so. Yeah, so Christmas is always, it's a really uh, problematic and, and troubling time for me. I think I did pretty good this year. Um, I, I, I think I sold it pretty well. I definitely, I took one, took one for my wife uh, on, on one occasion and definitely sold something on her behalf. So I'm going to call that a win, man. And, uh, and, and it was a good, good holiday season on, on our end as well. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you got a chance to catch up with some old friends on the West Coast. I love California. Only been out there once. Um, but I cannot wait to get back out there again. Um, but we've got a big game to talk about. Not, not necessarily a big game. Not, not the most fun game, I would say. Really. It's big. It's our first home win, yeah. dude. This is huge. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's, wait, it's, wait on this all year long. First real it's home big win. in the worst of ways. In just the saddest of ways. 
Um, <laughs> but but no, I mean it. Ovi, let's let's do a little pact here because you know I, another reason I've got to got to keep from crying. It's like seventy degrees in Atlanta today, and wow. the roof was open. Uh, so let's just pretend that this was an early September victory. Uh, a good, a, a not a not a great performance, but a gutsy performance. You know, it's not looking great, not where you want it to be. But hey, there's time to improve. You know, uh, we we yep. yet to get the cold weather. Halloween's around the corner. This team can go anywhere. They can be what they want to be. They got an early season win. So that's the the spirit, the energy we're going to bring to this podcast. We're going to dive into all of the action right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Well, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's half off, guys. That's a big deal. What are you doing? Don't just sit there. Use the promo code Believe50, B L E A V 50, to receive that bonus. So what are you waiting for? Get started. Head over to Bet Online today because it is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Ovi. Um, all of everything I said in that lead up before the commercial, total bullshit. This was still <laughs> a late, <laughs> a late season twenty to sixteen win over the two twelve and one Detroit Lions. Um, wow. You know, you you said something I think that turned out to be very prophetic earlier on this season, and you were quoting uh, your wife, your wife's friends, your your grandmother, just many influences in your life. And essentially, it was when somebody shows you who they are, tells you who who they are, you believe them. And you said that what week six? Yeah. Here it is, week sixteen, and uh, it still applies. the The Falcons are the best of the bad teams. Uh, they're not anything more than that for possibly reasons that are are of no fault of anybody who is still with the organization. Um, but they're struggling to beat the bad teams. They're beating the bad teams. But are we to the point where there's still no such thing as as a as a bad win? Or can we call this kind of a bad win? I mean... It, it is a bad win uh, by definition, but for the players, there's no such thing as a bad win. But as analysts, it's <laughs> yeah, our yeah. job to pick apart every part of the game and to analyze as sports analysts what exactly is going on with the, with the Falcons and their football team. And you can't watch a game that was just played on national TV and not say that the Falcons are the king of bad wins because that was just ugly. Like if that interception didn't happen <laughs> at the end of the game, we wouldn't yeah, have beat yeah. the two and 12 and whatever Detroit lions at home. And I was just hoping that we pull this off. Cause this was like circled circled on the calendar for every Falcons fan as the first home win. If we don't win this. I don't care where we are in our record, but at the end of the season, if we can't beat the gosh, star Detroit lions, we need to really pack it up and, <laughs> You know, just take next year off. But it, it it still was a win. I think that fans, players, coaches, just everyone, Arthur Blank, seeing seven wins in the W column is such a breath of fresh air. It's just it's just nice. It's just, you know, 
makes you feel good. Want to do a little shimmy. Like you get excited with seven wins because that has not been part of the Falcons' identity for years. So uh, despite the bad win, I, I, I love where we're at at this point. It will be really interesting. I mean, obviously, a winning record is still kind of on the table for this team. As crazy as that seems, nine and eight uh, is is still uh, technically possible. But like you said, um, Arthur Blank really excited down on the sidelines after oh, yeah. the uh, the Foyer Luican interception to win the game for Atlanta. Came over and uh, gave Arthur Blank uh, a huge high five. Um, so that was great to see. I, I think that the foyer Lewican really, uh, especially this season, it's been, I don't know if you have felt it. And I don't know, you know, as a former player, if this, like, if you're maybe more aware of, of this or, or not, or, you know, more, more likely to kind of not buy a player's ebbs and flows in in the way that a fan might because you've been in those locker rooms. You understand that people go through, you know, like droughts, just just like a writer can go through writer's block. You know, just any anything like that can happen. Players can just kind of go in a slump a little bit and, and through no fault of their own, it doesn't mean they're bad or anything like that. But it does kind of feel like there's been a changing of the guard a little bit at linebacker. Um, Deion Jones in this game today, Several missed tackles, kind of like big open field. He came in with a shoulder injury, dinged up. Tough to tell if if that really played a role, but was not nearly as reliable as he usually is. On the flip side, Foye was there. Johnny on the spot, cleaning things up. He, you know, I would have been really interested to see them kind of look, take a look at that uh, touchdown that the Lions had, um, their only touchdown in the game, the Amon Ra uh, St. Brown 20-yard pass where A.J. Terrell almost picked the ball off. But Foye, it looked like may have kind of pushed him back out of the end zone. They ended up ruling him as crossing the goal line, but a great job recovering there. What what have you seen from Foye this season, especially as it compares to Deion Jones, who I think has struggled? This may be maybe his like worst total overall season um, since he came into the NFL in 2016. So just the linebacker play of the Falcons, um, Foye and Dion, what have you thought of those two guys this season? I mean, I, I've loved them the whole whole season because they've been the bright spot of our offense, I mean, of our defense. We've talked about their speed, their intelligence. I mean, the the commentator mentioned Foye's intelligence uh, multiple times because that's one of <laughs> yeah. the high points. You know, he's... Um, yeah. A nice above average in every single Madden uh, meter, but when it comes to IQ, he's way up there. Uh, and, and that has come to the Falcons. Uh, I think you know, it's something that's helped us just because we've needed him to get guys in the right place to be able to compensate for our lack of talent, lack of size, uh, and be able to make sure that we beat them to the point because we know where they're going. So, Foyer and Dion have been a pleasure to watch. Like you mentioned, it's something that is an ebb and flow. Dion has not been playing well of late, and Foyer's been turning it on. I, I believe it's his contract year because he's playing like it is, whether it is or not. He's playing like he yes, is I, being I evaluated. Is. Perfect, because I want that boy to get paid, man. That's my African brother. <laughs> he will. I've, uh, you he know, will. met him in person uh, several times, and he's a really solid dude. That's Incredibly great impressive. Very smart, yeah, soft-spoken. Yeah. One of my favorite people to talk to in the locker room. I can't Absolutely. say enough nice things about Foyer. 
and he plays good football, which is which is great because yes. uh, yep. um, that not only the interception but all game those guys were tired. I think uh, on the field, like, definitely more than the offense. Thirty eight minutes to twenty two for the offense. Well, and yeah, the, the Lions, the Lions had just completed like a ten minute drive in the fourth quarter, um, and, and so right they they turn right back around. Atlanta does, and again, this has been a troubling theme, I think, for this team and the reason why they've been in a lot of these close games against bad teams, they've not been able to finish the game out on offense a lot this year. Maybe, maybe once or twice have they really been able to kind of get the ball back with three and a half minutes remaining and just kind of close out a game on offense. And this was yet another occasion where third down third and long two runs early. Can't really get you anything. Russell Gage gets it up and down game for him. You know, he made some big plays. He made some mistakes. Uh, another mistake here, a fumble. And Detroit is right back in Atlanta territory uh, for a defense that was kind of on its heels after giving up, you know, being on the field for 10 minutes, giving up a big, long drive they held at the end there. But yes, for Foyer to step up and, and make a big play, what, what, what are those moments like um, on the sidelines when you're an offensive player and it's in kind of, you know you're maybe not going to get another possession? And that it's on the defense. What can you kind of walk us through what that's like at the end of a game? I've been in that situation so many times, and I know it must be a thousand <laughs> times worse for the quarterbacks, the Matt Ryan's of the world. But even as a fullback, as an offensive player, you know we've done everything we could, and you start to just go over like in slow motion the whole game and what you could have done better so that <laughs> yeah, your defense yeah. not put in this position. And, you know, being that I was with the Falcons five, almost six years, our defense ha- has rarely been better than the offense. Like, we we tell ourselves in the offensive meeting room, we got to win this game. We got to carry this game. Again, with the running backs within the offensive meeting room, I we talk to Mike Turner, Jason Snell, we look all each other in the eye and say, hey, we got to win this game. Because we know that if we leave it in the hands of the defense, it can go either way. But we have the ability that we always felt with you know dynamic offenses with Tony Gonzalez and Julio and Roddy and, and Matt and myself and the and the you know big offensive line to dominate. And so most of the times <laughs> if we were in a situation where defense had to win the game, we're like, oh, this is this is this is an L. We're taking the <laughs> loss. It was always a pleasant surprise when you know John Abraham would go sack somebody or uh yeah, that was it. <laughs> I'm trying to think uh, no. the defensive, defensive stars we play with that would come up clutch. Uh but Outside, outside the A, but it was few and far between. But it, it's really just a helpless moment because you want to jump on the field. You want to go out there and, you know, bat a ball down or sack somebody. And you just have to watch sometimes, you know, just painfully watch Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady mm-hmm. just march down the field. And you're like, just stop. Get to there. <laughs> the funniest part is all these offensive guys. We're yelling at the defense like like they can hear us. Like, hey, get up, watch out, the zone's open. Like, we will be it's like young at the TV. These guys can't hear us. They're they're locked in. We're screaming <laughs> at the top of our lungs to get back, get back, or move up, move up. <laughs> and it uh it doesn't work. But uh, but no, it, it's uh, something to where you wish you're back in high school, you play both sides of the ball, but that's that's not practical in the NFL. No, it's not. Um, as much as everybody would love to see Cordero Patterson play both sides of the ball for the Falcons, um, they've only he did get in one defense play, I believe, Hail Mary in this game at safety. So, you know, Iron Man is alive and well in Atlanta. But 
you you touched on, and I want to kind of keep pulling this thread a little bit. Detroit had the ball for 38 minutes. Atlanta had the ball for essentially 22. Um, almost, almost double. Like if we just round up, that's 40 to 20. So for all intents and purposes, Detroit had the ball twice as long as Atlanta did in this game. Um, after the completion of the game, Arthur Smith hinted at the fact that Atlanta kind of was preparing for uh, Detroit to really try to shorten this game as much as possible, control the ball on offense, um, and just make this, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where if you're the underdog, if you can really shorten everything, you've got a puncher's chance. If you limit the number of possessions that every team has, then you kind of move the margin of error within striking distance. Um, And it's why, like, when when a team plays... Kansas City or somebody like that who expects to score a lot like you want to see them maybe uh, like some teams try to shorten the game I think you're starting to see teams now say like we just have to keep pace because the efficiency is also really there so I want to ask you about efficiency when when you know that you're going to be in a game where you're maybe going to get like five or six offensive possessions throughout the entire game is that a conversation that you have before you kick off on Sunday? Is that a, a kind of a throughout the week conversation? Is that a situation where, you know, after maybe two possessions, you understand and you realize what type of game you're in. And then the coaching staff pulls you together and says, hey, look, here's the deal. This is the the situation. Is that a Matt Ryan conversation? What's it like being an offensive player knowing, hey, they're going to try to take us out of the game? And we're only going to have a couple of opportunities here to really make an impact. And oh, by the way, we're going to be doing it kind of rusty coming off the bench after sitting for seven, eight, nine, maybe 15 minutes of real life action. What's that like? Um, your answer is all the above. We talk about it um, throughout the week, <laughs> talk about it you know, right before the yeah. game. We're talking about it uh, in time. So you game know when it's the- coming. Oh, absolutely. Because in this game, game there are some monster offenses i named you know some of the key ones the uh, you know the, the brady's the mannings the uh you know uh the guys like that breeze, uh, Roger, yeah. breeze where we know their offense can just churn out minutes they have great run games they have amazing quarterbacks that will always convert a third down when we get up there we cannot i repeat we cannot have a three and out because our defense is tired they're going to give up a touchdown just because they can't keep up if we go three and out. So we have to match long drives with long drives. We have to be the ones who could turn it, uh, the tables and have the ball for three, four, five minute drives. We got to make that happen. I mean, we could because, you know, we always had a great run game. Um, but you, you have to be hyper focused on what the opponent's strengths are and be able to cut them off at the knees and uh, understand that we, um, if we don't execute, if we're not efficient, if we're not aware of how small mistakes can turn to big mistakes, especially when everyone takes their turn making mistakes, because it's the worst <laughs> thing to have a my bad dog, my my bad. It's cool if yeah. it's one person, but if everyone on the offensive line has a my bad false start, if I have a my bad holding, you know, Mike turns a Mike bad my bad holding, we're not going anywhere. So we all have to play as one and you know have perfect plays. I mean, I think that the offensive line in the first drive, it looked like it was going to be really bad, right? Like uh, they, they had two sacks given up on, on the very first drive. Um, looked like it was going to be a really long, tough day. It was kind of weird. And I, I wonder if this plays into 
exactly what we're talking about, where the game plan, they understood that the Lions were going to come in um, looking to really limit the Falcons chances, just dominate the ball. Hey, if you don't have the ball, you can't beat us. And yep. to, to really kind of hammer home that point, not one single um, one of the Lions four scoring drives in this game was under seven minutes. So every wow. single scoring drive they had and, and to, to kind of even further that point, not one of Atlanta's four scoring drives was uh, over five minutes in two seconds. So Atlanta was scoring quickly. Detroit was trying to hold on to the ball, slow the game down. That last drive in the fourth quarter, nearly 10 and a half minutes. Um, and so what was really interesting to me was to see Atlanta come out early in the game and uh, their, their first possession was maybe five, six, seven plays somewhere in there. And all but one maybe was kind of like a, a deep, a deeper shot. I, I know they kind of threw a couple of checkdowns, but it looked to me like every single one, the intention was to try to hit a big play early against the secondary, against this defense. And yeah. at first I thought that that was because maybe they just liked the matchup, that they saw something on film they really thought that they could exploit. And that's probably what it is. But now you have me thinking, if, if Detroit wanted to play a real ball control, we're just going to, we're going to, kind of suffocate you slowly like a python was that atlanta's chance to maybe try to get out ahead of that to land the first punch to get up seven nothing and say no no you're gonna play our game and we're gonna turn this into the type of game that we want to play which of those do you think is 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 truer do you think it was more a matchup thing that atlanta wanted to exploit or do you think it was a style um a style makes a fight type of deal I think the uh, the latter, the style makes the fight. Uh, the, the style of play that the Falcons are trying to do, and you saw it last game when you're on the one yard line and you go for it four times in a row. Now, granted, they should have uh, ran it four times in a row, but the fact that they're going for it four <laughs> times in a row, they want to start put the up game points. Fast. Yeah, they want to put up points, yeah. start the game fast, and send a message. Uh, send a message about who they are, the style of play that you should expect when you play the Falcons, and what's exactly what. What exactly is going to happen? You know, when you come into uh, a game where Atlanta's on the table uh, or Atlanta's on the field, and we haven't been setting the exact example we want, but uh, if you fail to succeed, you try, try, try again, and and we're you know continuing to to hammer home the type of football team we want to be known as. So I, I can't fault them for that. What do you think about the uh, run game today? It's it's another situation where Atlanta wasn't really able to establish the run only 47 yards on the ground. Yes, Cordero Patterson scored a, uh, a huge touchdown around the edge when a lot of people, including the broadcast, were uh, sitting there kind of saying right after Matt Ryan, QB sneak, hey, right up the middle again, get it. Shortest distance, go get the one yard. I kind of liked that they continue to stick on the edge. I'm sure as a uh, fullback, you maybe would like the the shortest possible route is the best possible route. Uh, mentality, but I, I just think that their perimeter blocking is a little bit better um, than the interior as everything stands right now. But what did you think of the run game? Kind of the second week in a row where it's been a little bit disappointing after kind of looking like it was really becoming a true strength for this offense. Yeah, we were talking about the run game like it was just uh, trending up and was going to keep on trending up. Mike, Mike Davis had had a, a really solid game and we thought that pairing him up with Cordero Patterson with uh, as consistent 
contributors to the run game, it's going to make us dangerous. Give Matt some breathing room, allow us to, you know, dictate the pace of the game. And that hasn't happened. I, I don't know what happened to our run game, especially against the Lions. If you can't like just destroy the Lions on the ground, then, then what, what's really going on? Um, it, it, it was unfortunate, but I guess at a certain point, now they're trying to just survive the season and get this home win was, was so much important. I, I feel like if we were, you know, at three games, four games, we would just pound it straight through to try to work on, uh, you know, interior runs and physicality, all that good stuff. But now it's like any means necessary. We, we want to score. We want to keep our playoff hopes alive. We want to, you know, maybe, maybe get to eight and eight. It'd be, it'd be exciting just to see us, not a loser, not a losing record, uh, and the outside chance of winning record is still there. So uh, right now, I, I feel like it's survive in advance. The outside chance of a winning record is still there, but like you said, I mean, survive in advance. This it's it's a little bit of like a fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame we're, on me. We're fool not going me. to the playoffs. Let's let that get you clear. We're not <laughs> going to the playoffs. Right? Hey, yeah. was thinking that like it, it was fun to talk about it and it was fun to you know be cute and flirt the idea but it's, it's not going to happen but the outside chance that we were even maybe potentially going to be there hasn't been in our lexicon for so long that's why everyone's <laughs> going to say playoffs playoffs and yeah 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 <laughs> you want to play that clip playoffs <laughs> you Falcons fans playoffs. that were going to the playoffs going to the I'm talking playoffs. about playoffs yeah but I mean hey <laughs> we can dream can't we I, I think my favorite quote, um, I was I was going back and, and watching um, and reading through everything Arthur Smith said after the game, and he had a quote where basically he said they were 7-2 and two in one possession games this season, and that's true. Good good for them. But a quick look at the uh, the record would tell you that the Falcons are 7-8 and eight on the season. So the point he's trying to make is that the Falcons are very good at winning one possession games, but the point that is actually kind of being made is that the Falcons can only win one possession games and that six of their losses have come via blowouts. Uh, so progress, <laughs> progress. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you're seven and two in one possession games. You're seven and eight in the season. That's not I don't know if if, if you think about it for a little bit like it not necessarily the story you want to tell. Better, better than the alternative, though, because again, when you look at the totality of where this team has been the past couple of years, they've been finding ways to lose games that they should all but, you know, undoubtedly have won. And they're, they're turning it around, at least in that sense. Again, I, I think OVU and I are on the same page. It's more of a talent discrepancy thing at this point than kind of a, a culture issue, a philosophy issue, a coaching issue like that I think that they did all they could this last offseason to take the right steps in the right direction. Um, now it's it's just gonna take maybe an offseason or two to really get like the kind of mono mono when you're up against the good teams and it's good players against good players. You gotta have the guys to be able to to win some of those matchups. And I, I just don't think the Falcons do right now. Is that kind of fair and a good place to like really be evaluating this team right now with two games left to go, still a chance to get to nine and eight. But again, a, a, another playoff team here in Buffalo um, that just beat the Patriots. Like they're, they're a very good team. 
are, are we excited at all? Are we anticipating this game on Sunday? <laughs> we, uh, um, they are who we think they are. Uh, the Falcons are yep. the best, yep. of the bad teams. Uh, they are a team that <laughs> is not going to the playoffs. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Falcons fans. I don't want to be a, a Debbie downer. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I just want to be realistic. Like you said, we, have allowed them to get our hopes up and to dream and to get excited about, you know, what if, and maybe this, and, you know, if we, you know, co- you know carry the three and multiply the two, then, you know, close your eyes, click your heels three times, maybe we can sneak into the playoffs and and do what? And, and, and do what, Falcons fans? And, and you know, win, win a game or lose a game or it's it's just not going to happen because we just don't have the players. And Terry Fontenot, who I got to meet again in person at the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award and is as cool in person as he is on paper because he is excited. He's jacked about this football team, about the potential, about growing with us. Like I, He was just talking to me about you know the fullbacks and Keith Smith and the offensive line. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if he was told to you know pat me on the back. But he was like, back in your day, back in your day. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I could. Thank you. I appreciate it. Is there, you know, Again, punked here because he was just doing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, we really. Are they uh, going to sign you back, Ovi? It sounds like it. I mean, it was pat me on the back. I mean, it was true. We we were beasts back in my day at running the ball, but he recognized <laughs> the uh, importance of having the right personnel and saying that, you know, Keith Smith, Keith Smith's not going anywhere. Like he, He's one of the better fullbacks in the league. And I was like, yeah, I, I voted for him for the Pro Bowl. I, I think you know, he's a, a solid piece to build around. And once you guys get a chance to really make your team i feel like it's no nowhere but up he's like yeah man look what we're doing with just one year and we got another year and another year and another year, and as many years as god gives us to go and make this team great i was like man i get you on my podcast he's like after the season <laughs> <laughs> i was like, all right after the season we'll yes be yes so but uh but no this this is a team that is only going to grow and is only going to uh get better and if nothing Falcons fans have got to be optimistic. You got to be hopeful. You, I mean, your Christmas wish came through and the Falcons are competitive. And that's something that we haven't seen in a long, long time. Now, if they can just protect Matt Ryan and get a run game and a pass rush, we're good. Say goodbye to dull gifts. I think I will. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Ah, I see what they did there. You know, diamonds dull, bright. These guys are on it. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. And at a light price, too. I mean, $800 per carat. Not a big, uh, you know, carat expert myself, um, but there's that information for you. $800 per carat. So you may be asking, what is a lab-grown diamond? Well, they have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in a bluish pink or, you know, a, a, just a classic white, maybe just a good, beautiful blue. I'm a classic blue guy myself. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add some sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. <laughs> definitely need a pass rush. Definitely, definitely. I mean, even again today. Uh, really, really bad, really bad. Um, but you're right. Got to win. They got to win. And that's all that that's all that matters. Again, at the end of the day, I do want to quickly, you brought up the pro bowl. 
Um, when I did my kind of solo preview uh, before the Lions game, the Pro Bowl uh, voting had not yet come out. The rosters had not been announced. Shortly after I finished recording, they did come out and Falcons had two members on it. Uh, Kyle Pitts, awesome, great for him, surpassed Jeremy Shockey today and now is second all time in terms of rookie receiving yards uh, for a tight end and only needs, you know, it really feasible that he could he could surpass Mike Ditka and set the NFL record for receiving yards by a rookie tight end uh, the next game. Certainly, it seems likely by the end of the season. So congratulations to Kyle Pitts, pro bowler there. And then the other one, longtime long snapper Josh Harris could not be happier for Josh Harris. One of the nicest dudes, um, incredibly down to earth, knows his role, has, has been part of uh, just some incredible kind of special teams units with Matt Bryant, Matt Bosher, now Youngway Koo, um, really steady Eddie there for those guys. So congratulations to them. But big snubs, Ovi, AJ Terrell, Cordero Patterson, um, Chris Lindstrom. I think you can make a case he should have been in there. What do you think about the uh, the Pro Bowl kind of selections as a former Pro Bowler yourself? You know, what do you think of the system and does it reward the right guys? No, no, I absolutely hate it. Anytime anyone <laughs> gives me a microphone, I talk about how the system is broken. It is a popularity contest. I mean, we've talked about yes, it, yes, about it how in the locker room, as a rookie, when I was with Baltimore Ravens, I'm like, uh, who do I vote for? They give us all these little, you know, papers, one-pagers, and vote for the linebackers, and I'm not taking my time to watch every linebacker in the league. I barely watch uh, football. Like, <laughs> I, I watch the teams I'm playing against trying to make the darn team. Yeah. And so what happens, usually the old veteran of the group say, hey, hey, my boy over there, he's playing with the Bengals. Let's all vote for him. Yeah, my, my, my boy, my homeboy's boy is playing DB. Let's vote for him. Let's get him in. And before, I didn't know this, the day or a week before, everyone's politicking. It's like, uh, uh, gosh darn uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, or scratch yeah. my back scratch yours like you have people calling players alright hey man make sure you handle the wide receiver group and you handle the running back group and these are guys you're going to vote for and yeah money's on the line dude oh, oh, oh huge money's on the line people try to get their bonuses so it and for fans too fans don't follow fullbacks they just think whatever fullback oh, yeah, has the most yards I mean whoever whoever fullback's tailback has the most yards well the fullback must be good no, it's not the case. Sometimes the fullbacks just getting in the way, <laughs> and the tailbacks are amazing. Like, and so I, I had an uh, unfortunate um, uh, issue to where I missed a couple of Pro Bowls to where Pro Football Focus had me at the best fullback. You know, I, I won like most uh, uh, underrated award. I won all the other awards from no name websites who actually watch the fullback position, but fans only watch skill positions. And when they the fan vote is based on popularity. Based on the team yep. and the uh, you know the network that you have, and just based on marketing, people have some gr- like gr- great marketing. For my Pro Bowl season, I had to literally hire a publicist who went out there and was putting all types of clips together and uh, marketing stuff. Twitter, Facebook, I don't know, Instagram was out back in 2011, uh, but like it was a full court press. It was like I'll be damned if everybody <laughs> in the Falcons, we had like 12 or 13, and went to the Pro Bowl is going, and y'all don't choose me. Because they, they've chosen Michael Turner before and, and left me yeah. off. And it pissed me off to high hell. Like They, they picked my tailback, and they picked some random fullback whose tailback was terrible 
but he had a lot of like receiving yards. I'm like, fullbacks don't receive. This guy's like a big tailback and is lined up at fullback. That's why his numbers are so great. Anyways, let me get off my <laughs> my uh, soapbox. So <laughs> I don't like the Pro Bowl vote. I feel like it's not based on skill or talent and more popularity no, contest no. with the fans, with the players. The only people who might even be close to being right is uh, you know, the media. Because they they some of them can at least go and look at what fullbacks are doing good and might actually watch some film, not just look at the stats. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say like uh, that was something that if you're covering the sport like I was, and even just covering one team, your job is to know about all of this stuff. So I, I mean, I did have the time of of day to sit there and literally watch. It, you know, if the Falcons were playing the Lions or, or this upcoming week the Bills, I would watch probably three Bills games, three four Bills games, and and if you do that for every team that your team plays kind of throughout the season, generally you're going to have a pretty decent understanding of a lot of the teams around the league um, because you're just going to see certain teams play other teams. You're going to see certain teams three, four, five times throughout the season just by proxy of of watching some film of, of that team or other teams or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I think media members are pretty you know knowledgeable at least of some of the more obscure parts of it but that being said media members often are are biased as well you know having talked to players if if players are yeah you kind of saw the terrell owens case like it, it people have short memories and you know don't aren't always the best at being able to separate the personality from the production um but i think fans are are really not great at separating the production from the kind of narrative. And you, you see um, Trayvon Diggs, who absolutely deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, if you look at the 2021 season, you kind of can't tell that story without Trayvon Diggs or Micah Parsons, for that matter. Both great um, young players for the Cowboys. But A.J. Terrell had a better season than Trayvon Diggs. I mean, right now, Pro Football Focus's number one cornerback through 15 weeks and he's not in the pro bowl. I mean, how do you, uh, Cordero Patterson, arguably yeah. like one of the, on the short list of like team MVPs. He is the Falcons MVP this season. And if you truly look at like what an MVP is and looked at maybe every single team and who is their MVP, Cordero Patterson is maybe like among the top five across the league in terms of team MVPs. So like, how do you make sense of of why those guys got left off here? Yeah, I mean, on, on uh, CP's cleats, the, the, the no Pro Bowl, no problem. I love those. Those uh, are so great. Yeah, no, they're they're dope, but it shows that you know it is a problem. He it bothers him, or he wasn't taking yes, the time to yeah. do that. And and I would have to give the PC answer all the time. Hey, you didn't make the Pro Bowl again this year, Obi. How do you feel? Ah, it's no big deal. It's no problem. You know, as long as my team wins, you know, I'm I'm, I'm fine with that, and I just. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's not a disappointment, but I, I, I'm about winning games. That's the PC answer. The real answer is like, <laughs> I'm mad as hell I didn't make the Pro Bowl. I busted my behind to make the Pro Bowl. I'm better than that dude, that dude, and that dude. I should have made the Pro yeah, Bowl. Yeah, you're a competitor. Yeah, and so Cordero Patterson is is hot. And I think it didn't help the fact that there's not a position for receiver slash running back or else he would have been the yeah. top of that position. So everyone's like, and I, I, think, I really think it's, I don't know if he was in both categories, but I see very easily people saying, oh, he's not a running back. He's a receiver. I'm not going to vote for him. Or he's a receiver, not a running back. I'm not going to vote for him. He should be in that category. Receivers want him in the other category. Running backs want him in the other category. So I don't have to deal with him. But um, he's a talent. 
And he's one of the best uh, in, in the league. Is he one of the best receivers? I, I, that, that's questionable. Is he one of the best running backs? I think that's more likely um, uh, as an RB. But is, is he like a you know a, a Pro Bowl you know, like the coach running back or like you know uh, Zeke how it used to be? It, it's hard to look at him that way because you just don't look at him that way. You look at him as a slash, a, a true double threat. So that that probably makes it hard for Pro Bowl voters, uh, media fans, and players alike. But I feel like AJ Terrell. I mean, it's just we're not the America's team. We 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 are not a small market. <laughs> yeah, but we don't. We're not as flashy as others, and people are not going to look at the um, you know statistics that Pro Football Focus puts out that puts them as you know one of the best uh, DBs in the league easily. Easily, I mean, he and he had a couple of great plays today. <laughs> like yep. he's, but but. I think AJ Terrell's time is coming. I think that those who actually watch football, we've we've started seeing um, kind of more people in the national media. Some of those who who are more in on the know on football year round, twenty four seven, starting to really kind of tout AJ Terrell. Um, I, I did see Chad Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, um, tweet about AJ Terrell recently. I mean, it, he's his name is starting to get out there, and usually. It just takes that first. You know, I saw Marshawn Lattimore uh, is making the Pro Bowl. I don't think he's had a great year. Saints haven't had a great year. But to your point, he's a known name. He's a known commodity. To the average fan who is maybe not uh, a member of or, or follows the Saints' biggest rival and has certain opinions on Marshawn Lattimore's caliber of play, uh, they may just sit there and assume that he's one of the best in the league. Sure, that that's that's their thing. AJ Terrell has to kind of earn that reputation. But by all accounts, he's doing that so far this year. Um, so I expect for him to be in the Pro Bowl for years to come. I think Kyle Pitts, same as well. Keith Smith, let's get him in there, Ovi. Let's uh, let's start the campaign let's do right it. now. Um, but before we get out of here, real quick, turn the page. Buffalo Bills um, doesn't sound like, you know, you're, you're going to be getting your hopes up for this game. No, I'm not. Uh, fool me one, fool me <laughs> twice, either. fool me 18 times. Shame on me. Um, the Falcons are squeaking by against the Detroit Lions and other bad teams and, and, and beating some of these bad teams, which is good. But the Bills are not a bad team. Seven and two, one possession games. Yeah, that that's nice. But again, the Bills are not a bad <laughs> team. And we've seen what teams that are average to above average do to the Falcons. And there's no reason to think that that's going to change. No, the Buffalo Bills uh, coming off of a 33-21 victory on the road against the New England Patriots, who they who they had lost to earlier um, this season, just a couple of weeks ago. Bills are nine and six. Uh, Josh Allen three touchdowns today. Um, I mean, they they are kind of clicking on all cylinders. They have the type of pass rush to really give the Falcons fits. Um, their secondary is really good, so this is going to be huge challenge for Atlanta. Um, we always we knew that when the schedule came out, but you know, seven degrees in Atlanta right now. Who knows? Maybe it'll be uh, not as not as cold as the uh, Falcons maybe expected when they first got the schedule uh, in April or May or June or July, whenever that is. Um, so, Ovi, you got anything else to say before we get out of here? 
No, I'm good to go. I'm, uh, you know, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, hopefully the Falcons can uh, make some magic happen. I, I don't believe it will, but uh, you know, we won this <laughs> game. We went, we have a home win. I mean, that's a Christmas miracle in itself. So I, let's just enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess the most important thing that we forgot to mention is that I predicted seven and ten before the season. So, uh, you know, if, if things Ooh. go as poorly as maybe you're predicting, Ovi, I'm I'm right in the sweet spot. I'm in the pilot seat for uh, for yeah, maybe coming in. In what did in I write? I, I on, said ten and seven, right? I, I said, you said, I said ten and seven, so you're officially eliminated. <laughs> Too optimistic. I mean, I can be I'll nine get, and eight. We, we I'll send be, you my uh, Venmo uh, Venmo information after this. You can send me all the all the money we bet. Um, <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I, I think seven and ten, eight, eight and nine, nine and eight seems pretty likely for the team at this point. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe they can shock us all. It would be very, very much like this Falcons team. Be very much like the Bills, frankly, um, to, to kind of have Atlanta win this game on the road. Uh, but where everything stands as of now falcons i don't believe are officially eliminated so we've got another week of the falcons being somewhat relevant and in the nfc playoff picture um but as always today's podcast was presented by bet online and i hope you guys enjoyed your holiday had a great christmas ovi go enjoy the remaining hours with your family um, and I will catch you again Thursday. You'll get the podcast on Friday. Please rate and review. Spotify now has a uh, reviewing feature. Please, five stars. Let us know um, what you think of the work that we've done so far this season. Um, and as always, guys, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.